0: Mm-hmm. Big Radio. The official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law
1: at HoboTrashCan.com.
0: Hey, this is Billy Weston, as my friend Zap and would uh, say. You're listening to Hobo Radio. What does that make me, a
2: hobosexual?
3: And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy.
1: Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And with me this week as a special guest is, God, I was trying to figure this out, my longtime friend. I don't know how long we've known each other at this point. Long time. Uh, Tony Marion, who I am very excited uh, to have on the show. So thank you for joining me.
2: It's weird that it took this long, kinda Well, it's funny because I feel like
1: pe- you've been involved in Hobo Trash Can in a variety of ways. Like you wrote for the site for a while. Uh and also all of the videos that we've done, I've roped you <laughs> into to, to shooting for <laughs> us and helping with all of the like writing and editing and, and such of those. So like for sure, even if people don't know who you are, you're you've been around. <laughs> So, but yeah, somehow, even though every conversation you and I have is an hour long about movies and television, like I've never actually had you like on the podcast, which is weird. (laughs) It's
2: Lars. He's, he's blocking me.
1: That's probably it. That guy's kind of a diva. (laughs) Kinda. Uh, but yeah, how's it going, man? Like it's, it's exciting.
2: Um, well, we talked about this a little bit in the fancy pre-interview, uh, (laughs) It's been three straight nights of nightmares when I go to sleep. Yeah. Thank you for... I'm starting to... Starting to feel the stress a little bit?
1: Uh well, we'll get into why right now. But first of all, <laughs> thank you for saying that we had a pre-interview, which makes it sound way more professional than it is. So, like, well, dude,
2: your team of producers contacted me to yeah. verify all the research they do. And, In the know,
1: green room, cool. they sit down, they do a pre-interview. <laughs> it's very like old school late night TV. Like there's four <laughs> stories that Tony is very adamant that he wants to tell <laughs> <laughs> that we've kind of run through a little bit. Uh, no, but uh, to not bury the lead, the the reason that we finally coordinated this and had you on is very exciting. Uh, like I, I feel weirdly like maybe uh, maybe at this point more excited than you are because like having known you for a long time, <laughs> uh, it's so awesome to me because you are uh, so talented at like making these videos and stuff, and we've done a lot of various video projects together. That like this is your first feature length movie that you're is that true
2: um i i think so um imdb says it's feature length afi (laughs) says it's feature length other places say not quite when, so it's an hour and four minutes.
1: Oh, that's that is feature length at a time when we were way more reasonable about this, and James Cameron hadn't decided that every movie should be three <laughs> hours long for some reason. Him and Christopher Nolan had a meeting, and what if? Like, and we're like, what if movies were really long? So,
2: but no, or six hours. <laughs>
1: But no, I I think like remember that that was like the eighties, right? Where you you'd get a lot of movies. I feel like the Naked Gun movies have that uh, runtime of like an hour. Like the, the movies used to get in there and out in
2: at like seventy five to ninety. They were really kind of honing in on that. It yeah. felt like
1: yeah. So, but I mean, you make the credits long, you can you can get to seventy <laughs> seventy five. <laughs>
2: We've used the same montage six times and it's, it's now two hours and 13 minutes. Uh, but okay.
1: So what I am going to call feature length, uh, then, uh, but I can live with that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so let's, let's talk about this. Like, uh, how, how it came to be like, what, what, why now? And why this movie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> why now? Well, uh, I had a full-time job for a very long time and I lost it. I, uh, I misplaced it. Couldn't find it again. So uh, I decided to freelance. And the first uh, two years of freelance went really well. But uh, I, I separated myself from some of my bigger clients. Um, I'm developing ethics, I've found, as I'm getting older.
1: Oh, that is, that'll that hurt your, you financially.
2: It, it really, really will. And uh, so... As you know, I've actually written seven or eight features, a couple hour long TV pilots. And the last couple uh, features I wrote were always with the goal of making them myself. So I would write small and then uh, I'd leave them in a drawer and never try to raise money or anything. And uh, I wrote Loose Ends in 2016 while I was still at the full-time job and... Once I left, a friend of mine reminded me, two years after I left there and freelance was starting to get a little uh, a little hinky because of me walking away from some bigger clients. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, um, what could you do with half the budget for that? And I said, well, I would use it as leverage, first of all, to try to raise the rest. And so they said, okay, here's half the budget. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I had an investor and a little... Between that investor and my own money, I had I had that set up. And so the first thing I did was I, I worked on an independent horror film that's part of an independent horror film universe uh, called The Headcase Films. This was like a slight diversion, but it was in the same universe. Uh, an independent filmmaker from Wilmington, Delaware named Anthony Spattaccini, and I worked on his film, Viscera, and... I noticed he was very, very good because it was like his seventh feature at controlling the budget. So I went to him with my budget and told him what funds I had available. And he was so funny. He's holding my list and he's going, don't need this. Don't need (laughs) this. Don't need this. Looks at me on one thing and says, dude, if you can't get this for free, you are not trying hard enough. (laughs) So he said, I think you can make it for cash on hand. And I felt a little sketchy about that but thanks to his guidance i went back and uh pared down my budget with some things i thought yeah he's he's probably right about this this i don't have any experience getting that so i'm just gonna you know leave the expense in there and i was really at about two-thirds so then i went and found investors uh found a way to make some other cuts constant push and pull and uh I had the money to the point where uh, one friend said, uh, so where are you on the movie? And I said, well, if I get to 90% funded, I'll just bite the bullet and make it. And he said, how far are you from 90% funded? And I said, $300. And he looked at me and goes, I will give you $300 (laughs) right now if you just say you're making this movie finally. (laughs) So uh, I said, keep your money. I'm going to do this thing. And we did nice,
1: and then so we, we we made it. How did that feel like i, I I'm curious, like once you've <laughs> reached a point of like you're actually doing it, like was that a relief was that panic when did we we'll, we'll get to the nightmares, but
2: well <laughs> we'll get to the p t s d um uh no it, it was the weirdest thing, like I've had so many near misses, um. A long time ago, someone offered to buy a screenplay from me and by at that point in my life, I'd never directed anything that big and I wouldn't sell it to them, even though they were offering me a tidy sum of cash unless they attached me to direct and they told me to get lost. And I was like, you're lost. And then uh, when I was at the company where you and I were working together and you were a part of that video program, uh, once I started cracking those out, my first thought was back to that incident. And I'm like, who the hell did I think I was? I couldn't have directed that. I have no idea what I was doing back then. So, I just kind of kept this separation in my mind. Like, okay, the sh- other shoe's going to drop and this is all going to fall apart. But I'm just going to keep doing tasks. Like Chandler getting ready for his wedding. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to do little things and then before I knew it, we had a table read and a start date and I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Well, I've hired all the actors and all the crews. So I guess this is actually happening now.
1: Yeah, they're certainly then, uh, looking at you as if it's happening.
2: <laughs> and uh, I, I threw a thing on Instagram that was another steal from friends. Uh, but it's how I felt at the time. It's like, I'm getting everything I always wanted. Why have I not been preparing? <laughs> I'm so not ready for this. But it's like, uh, it's the same as it is on the smaller stuff. It's just you get there. You have stuff you have to accomplish that day. That's all you're there to do. One day at a time. Get your get your shots. Get your performances. Get your day done. That's it. And then you just keep going until there's no more shot list. That was kind of my plan.
1: And what was the... Like, how many days of shooting did you have planned?
2: Uh, I... Well, <laughs> well I planned 10. Okay. Then I got really aggressive. <laughs> and rescheduled and cut it to 8 oh wow day one was 19 hours and oh god there were people who were not happy (laughs) and uh i was running on fumes everybody was running on fumes but we got it all done and then uh i backed off and put the schedule back to 10 days like I, i just knew there was no way we were gonna we were gonna have another day like that and and everybody keep their brains so
1: so 19 hours then when did everyone have to be back
2: um, early the next day, <laughs> Yeah, right. but, but I pushed it off because, uh, we actually, I think fate intervened kind of, <laughs> I was going to do the two longest scenes in the movie on consecutive days. And the first day was a 19 hour day. Oh God. Uh, so, <laughs> and you, you've read the script, correct? Yes.
1: Yeah. I okay, read it the second so, time. The, the first time you sent it to me, I, I think I started it and I never finished it and I never got back to you cause I'm a terrible friend. But then, well, thank
2: you for the endorsement there. i going to sell some tickets. Look, also, let's be
1: clear. I've written <laughs> stuff, and I I only realized, having not read your script, that uh, how everyone else is. Because I think of myself as a decent person, and I definitely <laughs> like you, and I like the script when I read it. It's just, it is, you know, I think everybody goes through that. I'm like, I'm going to read this script, and then you sit down to read it, and then, you know, even if it is your friend. Like, I honestly, I don't know about you, I've bought a lot of scripts. Because I try to read them sometimes uh, to like inspire me or to read, uh, and these are you know famous movie scripts of like things that I like. Like I got the Princess Bride scripts because so I was like that's a fucking great script. I think I read five pages of that before. I was- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, that's what being a screener... It was right? the
2: internet, Joel. Yeah. The internet ruined you.
1: It did. If it, if your script was on a phone and I could scroll through it in five minute increments, uh, while in the bathroom, I would have read it by now.
2: <laughs> no, but, uh... I, well, we're going to serialize it like that eventually, I think. But,
1: uh, <laughs> Isn't that what Quibi is? I'm pretty sure that's the pitch of Quibi, is watch these TV shows when you're in the bathroom, I think. Uh, but, uh... No, I, I, for some reason I never like went through the first time, but the second time I did, like, I finally felt bad cause you were, uh, moving forward with the script or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, you asked me if I, cause you, I think you, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory is kind of that you reached out to me and you were like, I think I'm really like thinking of making this script. Give me your honest opinion of like what you think of it. Cause I'm trying to decide if this is the script and I had to be like, my honest opinion is that I didn't read it, but I will read it right now. If you send it to me <laughs> and then I read it and I then actually gave you honest feedback, but I did really like the script and I read it in one sitting when I committed to it. So, uh,
2: well, there's, there was a reason, a definite reason that I was on the fence. Um, the money that was put in by the old friend was not, was not um, contingent on it being that story.
1: Yeah yeah it could be
2: one of two and and i was gonna go with that one because logistically it seemed easier and it was already done yeah um but there was another one that i thought of and every time i pitch act one to people they were like can we start making that one and i'm like no this other one's done i have to sit (laughs) and and write this one because act one of that script is is pretty compelling um uh, we're not gonna talk about that right now. No, but, you shouldn't because uh, it is a
1: good idea because I remember that one too. <laughs> and you should that should definitely be the next one that you make after this one. So
2: And and that's that's one of the two candidates. So uh but yeah, um Yeah, so uh was was terrified, but people were on board for loose ends and, and one of the things that I got was because it's a a caper movie I used to say it was Ocean's Eleven set in a trailer park, but really it's kind of Ocean's Eleven in a small town is probably a more apt description. Um, The more actors I reached out to at a local regional level were just like, wow, no one at this level makes this kind of stuff. They all make horror flicks or rom-coms. So this is interesting. And I was like, oh, okay, then I guess I'm on the right track with this.
1: I wonder why that is. I guess it's just, um, I mean, horror kind of always has its own built-in,
2: like... Di- They're more forgiving, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more forgiving, and it's uh, kind of like, I don't know, you you have a lot of, like, there's horror conventions. There's sort of like a scene, like, I feel like. There's a... People... Well, horror fans seem more willing to watch horror that they haven't seen before.
2: Yes. Or Yes, hardly. and... I think that's a blessing and a curse because when you get people who are good at it, like my aforementioned friend, um, they have to kind of accept that there are people not as good as them who are going to do almost as well. Well, right. Yeah. And that's 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 just the nature of that genre, though, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, it's just what
1: wh- it is. Horror is interesting, too, because... Uh, and I'm I'm someone who kind of feels this way as well as like sometimes a per like I love really well made horror and I, I like the genre a lot because it's one of the only genres. Uh, that we still allow to have sort of like complex endings or dark endings or you yeah, know, uh, which is really fun about it and so you can do really brilliant like subversive storytelling and craft something amazing but also sometimes it's really fun if people spent like twenty dollars and made a really terrible like cheesy horror movie where like <laughs> you see the strings of like the monster and like you know their friend is in the shot accidentally holding a boom mic and you know like sometimes <laughs> that's equally as fun so like you know, you get a kind of room. Uh, the room, not room. Room was the really good one.
2: <laughs> the room
1: is. The, uh, but you they're get,
2: roughly the same thing. They're That's pretty much that. the same movie, I think. Somebody's gonna get
1: sued. Uh, so, uh but yeah, so you kind of hinted at it, but do you want to talk a little bit more? The I like the the elevator pitch of uh, the Ocean's Eleven. It's not, I almost said Ocean's Eleven meets a small town, but that's not right. But, uh, what if instead of. What do, you cas- mean there's
2: no, what do you mean there's no Armani here? What the hell?
1: What if instead of owning three casinos, it was a Waffle House?
2: <laughs> he owns the auto parts store, the post office, and the grocery. Um, uh, well, basically, the log line is uh, a small town criminal comes home after being away for 7 years to settle the estate of his last living relative who was murdered by the local drug kingpin. And said antagonist has his or protagonist has his uh has a mysterious female companion in tow and you find out over the course of the movie that she was actually his boss in a crew of grifters and their last job went extraordinarily bad. And we we kind of don't get into how bad, but and I I hate to sound all Lucas, get all Lucas on you. But this is the originally envisioned as the middle part of a trilogy. So there would be two more films to make one on either side. And the uh, film that would come before this chronologically, she lost all of her crew except for this guy and almost died herself. So it, it went extraordinarily bad. And so they decide to go settle the brother's affairs and hide out in a place where the people looking for them would probably never find them.
1: And your plan has always been to eventually make the prequel with Hayden Christensen and then uh, to sell out to Disney, right? Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes. Exactly. I, I'm calling the mouse and I'm being like, hey,
1: yeah, Wh- I, got, my, I
2: got this thing here.
1: The only question, because I couldn't get this reading the script, but which one is going to be the adorable baby character that we the internet gets obsessed with in like 30 years?
2: Well, actually, I think it's a later draft than the one you have. There's a possum oh. that we just put in. <laughs> But he's he's got a really racist accent, so we're working on that. We, oh, we, they'll fix that we, in we The may Clone wanna,
1: Wars. The, somehow we may we'll be okay with that. Down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but uh, no, so um, like, so you you hinted at this a little bit, but then like, how was it? So you so you got the money, like you you had the script. Uh, you were kind of at that point, and then you 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 sort of been working on films. Uh, So, you had a, you were kind of tapped in, but how did you actually go about like finding everybody for this?
2: Um, I did backstage. I contacted a bunch of people I knew and worked with before in other capacities that I wanted to see what it'd be like to work with them if I was actually in charge. And uh, uh, I found some, I found people mostly through backstage. Um, Our local theater, we have a great local theater. And the uh the villain of the movie actually is a theater actor. Oh, nice. Who is just phenomenal. I I can't I actually can't wait for people to see that performance because what I pitched him was this guy thinks he's Gus Fring, but really he's Negan. Go. (laughs) Nice. And he kinda nailed it. He kinda he kinda he kinda pulled it off. So so I met a lot of people that way and uh I did find an agency here in town. Who introduced me to two people that I ended up using. And uh, uh, one of them is the leading lady in the film who, this couldn't get weirder, uh, she lives about a mile and a half from my house. Oh, wow. We went back over certain things since we become friends and we've been in the same place probably two or three times and never met. Like, been there at the same time for the same thing and just never met. Oh, wow. And the weirdest thing is, when the star of the movie came over for his first uh, meeting, he's an old friend that I met through uh, another production company I did some work for. He, he also models. And he said, I've got, a, I've got a cover shoot for a romance novel that day in <laughs> Lancaster. I'll come to your house after, because he, he lives in Philly. So he comes and says the shoot was fun and everything.
1: He showed up shot shirtless a... with his hair flowing. Like,
2: <laughs> um, oh, I wish, uh, <laughs> but no, he was he was pretty casual. He uh, when when I sent out to set up meetings with actresses, the one actress said, uh, "This guy in your flyer, who's who's going to be the lead, is his name Josh." And I said, "Yeah, it is." And she goes, "Oh, I just shot a the cover for a romance novel with him <laughs> so like they were a couple both weeks <laughs> And I'm thinking he should have just thrown you in the car and brought you over. Cause you're going to get the part. So, but yeah, I've done a lot of work with her and her company since she's got a production company too. uh, her name is Suji Cruz company is broken towel productions and her partners are also brilliant. Um, Alex Rüdiger and, uh, Jeremy good. They're, they're fantastic. I love working with those guys.
1: Uh, so like, what was it? Uh, so you got everybody, you mentioned the table read, like, uh, and you already kind of have alluded to the the first day of ten, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but once you got your your crew assembled, like once you had everybody, like what what was it like actually on set? What what was the experience like for you?
2: Um, well, you know me. I'm very I'm very prone to stress, but yes. I'm also very I need to blow up for five minutes and then figure it out and move on. Otherwise, I'll just freeze up so thankfully my entire crew read that right away (laughs) and and there were no like incidents where i didn't whip a snapple bottle at anybody's head (laughs) or anything i would just walk away scream about nothing for five seconds and come back and be like okay here's what we're gonna do yeah and everybody handled that pretty well and i did ask uh suji at one point i'm like was that bad behavior and she goes no because you weren't yelling at anybody she goes i've seen way worse and i'm like okay cool
1: yeah and i i'll just say to have you worked with you i've definitely witnessed exactly what you're talking about it. and it is very much that of like you need to like shout at yourself like over in a corner and everyone's kind of like oh okay mm-hmm. all right well now you I were know. there
2: for the worst one I was. unfortunately i was there you for were the there one, for the very worst one the one where <laughs> i
1: believe you were talking about giving up filmmaking <laughs> at one point you're like i think i'm done with this like i'm gonna quit <laughs> like yeah I-, I can make the guacamole at chipotle i yeah. can do that i was i was there to witness that <laughs> so and that still wasn't as bad like i never felt like it turned out great too, that's the thing for... it turned out great i never felt like concerned i just felt like i could see the stress that was... <laughs> Uh, well,
2: when the forklift breaks down <laughs> in the middle of your set when you're not done filming, it's a little disconcerting because we can't push it.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, of unforeseen <laughs> <laughs> problems at that that gig, um, but uh, uh, no. So, so that aside, uh, the um, and obviously 19 hours. I can't imagine. Like, I don't know if I would have made it to day two at that point. <laughs> like.
2: I was expecting defections. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of sidetracked from that story. What happened was the the second longest scene in the movie takes place in an empty field in the woods. And there's some shenanigans that go on. I don't want to spoil anything because that's where the spoilers of the movie would begin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we get there. And we're we're about to try to film this long-ass scene. I had a farm, and I actually kind of changed the script a little bit because I got a farm, and it got to give it more weight. And we get there, and not only is there a truck parked in the middle of everything... Oh, no. But all the barn doors are open, and there's tobacco hanging everywhere, and the farmer is not returning any phone calls. Oh, shit. <laughs> so... We had some alternates. I didn't really like any of them. So instead we decided to push that scene towards the end of production and just move along. Everybody was down, I think because of the ridiculous night before. Yeah. Um everybody who lived through that, uh the the st- the stuff we shot on day 1 was the poker game scene. Okay. So lead actor and the two lead villains were fried. Just Oh yeah they're running on fumes and then they have to go do the second longest scene. This would have been the lead actress's first day and she didn't even get to work. Well, she, she got to do one scene with, with no, no dialogue in it at all. We shot that before we gave up that location and uh, yeah, we couldn't continue. So we lucked out and we ended up getting a place that not only works better, but offered us pretty much everything we needed. And I got to keep, the lines of dialogue and the shot that uh, add to the weight of everything. So it, it worked out to be just better anyway all the way around, and I learned my lesson about taking a 10-day script and, and pa- or 10-day shoot and packing it into eight days. It's, it's just not worth it in the long run.
1: Yeah, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> like, I mean, 10 days is already... <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, there are... Like, what is, you know, a Hollywood script like they're shooting what like maybe a, a couple pages a day <laughs> like
2: I think it's two to three yeah for them is is really good and what what got in my head was when you and I were working together on this stuff was we routinely did five pages in a day oh sure yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm like this is cake this yeah. is gonna happen <laughs> not thinking that when we got to that point I had been working with most of the cast and except for times when you helped out i was the only crew yeah so we had a we had a working relationship and a rhythm and everybody knew what was expected and i'm jumping in cold to this with people who are really not used to that style and that kind of aggression we did 9 pages the first day yeah <laughs> so it was a tiny bit ridiculous Yeah. And I mean, yeah, a lot of that was
1: like, yeah, we, we had developed a shorthand. Like you kind of, you, we knew what to, to try to hit. Like we knew, yeah, what you were looking for. And also, yeah, like you, you kind of get that of just knowing where to be, how to be out of the way, like all of that, that you just have to like build over time, which normally like on sets where they have a lot of time, I'm sure that all develops, but like, yeah, yeah. so so what did you do day 2? i so you ended up taking the day off like you didn't shoot really? Or?
2: Yeah, well we shot um everything we shot in the morning was spoilers. So I yeah, can't yeah. talk about that. Um and that was the so so you can figure it out since you read the script. The last things that take place at the villain's house. Okay. Where what we shot the following morning. Okay. And then uh and then we were supposed to move on to uh the scene in the clearing. And there was no clearing, so that was There's shot just somewhere a, else,
1: like that. That stuff. was shot somewhere
2: okay. else, uh, close to where the it ended up being, just down the road from where the villain's house was, rather than the whole way across town. And it ended up being a much better atmosphere; it just really worked. It was a hot day and it was a long day, but it was, it was a good day. We we got a lot of good stuff out of everybody,
1: and it wasn't hard to match like the two locations, or you didn't have to worry about.
2: No, we didn't even get started. Oh, okay. In so the there wasn't. One. Okay. So, No. And in fact, uh, uh, I've given up on that. Like, like there's some (laughs) there was a, a small brief dialogue exchange that had to be reshot from that day. It was shot in my backyard, and if people notice, I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, you go do this in ten days, and then get back to me on how (laughs) easy that is." Then you can complain, sir.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah, you just have to like, cause and I, you know, people who who do this stuff tend to notice more, and you realize like general audiences don't aren't gonna track any of that.
2: No, and if you are a filmmaker, I, I think. I, I hit an event here in Lancaster for the Lancaster Film Community, and uh, I was showing the trailer, a trailer for one of Broken Tiles' movies, and a guy came up after me, and and I was supposed to be the last person to go, but I guess seeing everybody else's work gave him courage. He gets up, shows his trailer, and for whatever reason, bad hard drive, whatever, his sound in sync. Oh no! And he was crushed. And everybody in the room does this, you know? We all do this. We've all had crazy bad shit happen to us. And we're all just like, dude, you're in a room of of brothers and sisters right now. (laughs) This happens. We like your idea. Don't worry about that. That's gonna happen. Yeah. That's, That's gonna happen. So...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's, but if it's you, that doesn't help, (laughs) like, I'm
2: sure. No, and and on on Broken Tile, Broken Tile's uh, bigger movie they did uh, this year, Dirt, I was first AD on that, supplied, I gave him the red to use, um, helped him out with some other stuff in, in pre and post, and they would get bummed about stuff that I'd be like, well, that's why I'm here, because I do some effects work, I'll fix that. And that's the kind of stuff that goes wrong. So don't sweat that ever. People who criticize you over that and people who pixel peep and look for like the most minute errors and and inconsistencies, That really bugs me because you know damn well when you're at this level, it's going to happen to you too. Stop pointing it out for other people. You think we didn't notice? We totally noticed. Yeah, I think that
1: that's become a really unfortunate part of like... Film criticism or film, like, I hate those. Well, everything. Well, everything, yeah, but, but specifically just, uh, like, I hate YouTube, like, those kind of, like, cinema sins or, like, everything wrong with, like, I, I don't really like that attitude of, uh, you know, just, like, if that's what your enjoyment of movies is, (laughs) then that's fine,
2: but I don't know, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Do you, do you remember when Brian was shitting all over the TV show? stewie liked and oh stewie's yeah. just looking at him with his head slightly cocked and he goes hey shut up yeah <laughs> that's kind of how i feel when people do stuff i'm just like guys let's just enjoy it nitpick another time well that's kind of i i mean uh i was talking
1: to you before we started doing the, this interview of uh <laughs> like about i really like christopher mcquery and I, I like following him on social media but i i saw him talk once someone was asking him about plot holes and he was like Plot holes only exist if you notice them. Like, anything like, like... For sure, for sure. If you watched the entire movie and it never occurred to you, it's not a plot hole. Like, if you really sat there, you know, and analyzed it later, well, that's your choice. But when you watched it, that didn't occur to you. And again, like, you mentioned Ocean's Eleven. You and I, I know I've talked about this. They've confessed <laughs> that the endings of Ocean's Eleven doesn't actually make sense. No. Nope. But... I even knowing that when I watch it, I'm still like, I love this ending. This is great. Like, well, and in fairness, when
2: it comes to actual plot holes, tell me you've never done the equivalent of before I go to the store to get all my groceries, I'm going to have a glass of milk. (laughs) Oh, I emptied the milk. You go to the grocery store. You come back. You bought the best cereal ever and you can't drink it because there's no milk. Yeah. So if a character in a movie does a similar stupid thing that he could have solved the problem, like, I love how it should have ended. Yeah. But sometimes I'm just kind of like, uh, don't ruin this for me, guys. Well, yeah. <laughs> <It's> really- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's how it should have ended if the character who was in the situation in real time had, you know, days or weeks or months <laughs> to analyze the situation in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> No, for sure. Uh all right. Well I don't um I don't want to go day by day. I'm not gonna ask you how every day of the shoot went, but uh Well day seven was a rough one, Joel. <laughs> when when we do your Heart of Darkness uh documentary, <laughs> we'll get <laughs> all of that. No, but uh in general, I mean ten days is not a lot of time. Uh how did you feel having shot it, like once you got to that point?
2: Mortified. Because um Because, again, indie production, um, moving at the speed of light, making lots of mistakes along the way, and sometimes just careless errors. Like, uh, I don't think we ever finished a day on time until, like, day eight (laughs) is when we really started to get our shit together. Now, part of that was there were some things I didn't anticipate, having never made something on this kind of scale before. And so I didn't have enough crew. I probably should have got some interns or um, PAs or something. And I was going to try, but it was one of those things that just got swallowed up in the process where it just kept getting pushed down the list. So we made some mistakes. Like on one day, um, I made my sound guy hold a reflector because we were outside. (laughs) Yeah. And he thought he was just going to be holding it for a second. I yelled action. No one rolled sound.
1: Oh, oh no. So you had so no it, sound.
2: <laughs> and then after two or three takes, I realized it and was like, ah, oh. <laughs> so we got someone else to hold a reflector, go back, roll sound, reshoot it. Now, was that the worst thing in the world? No, because by then the actors were warm and loose and into it. Yeah. And we ended up using the takes after anyway, because they ended up being better. So, it is what it is. But there was a lot of a lot of things that if we had a bigger crew and had some more people in some specialty things to take the load off the people who were producing and myself, it would have went a lot smoother. So that's one of the things you learn for next time. And then when I got home, of course, and I'm looking at finding these mistakes I'm just beating myself up about them. And of course, my wife is like, you spent how many hours doing After Effects and getting paid for it? <laughs> I don't think this is a problem. And I'm like, yeah, but I should not nah, too late. Don't, don't beat yourself up about that now. <laughs> just jump in there and fix it. And now I'm picture. I think I'm picture locked except for a little color work and uh, just sound mix. Cause all the Foley's in some ADR we had to do is in and I actually like my movie now. So that's good. <laughs> yeah (laughs) i'm actually okay with my movie i can sit there and actually watch it no it helped it there's been uh screenings all along the way um cast has seen it um most of the cast has seen it uh suji the leading lady slash one of the producers uh she's probably seen it three or four times now so she's seen had the benefit of seeing it as it progresses and uh there's a VFX shot in there that she didn't realize was VFX that made me happy.
1: Oh, nice. So,
2: uh, yeah, that's that's always good when someone's like when someone asks you a question about the shot and you're like, that didn't actually happen. <laughs> that's that's not real. So, yeah, it's it's coming along. It's coming along good. We were all wiped out. I've never been that tired before in my life. Oh, and and you know my old pastime. Riding the, the little bikes on big ramps thing. Oh. Well, I, <laughs> yes. I have a recurring injury. Life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a recurring injury that creeps up every now and then. And it it puts pressure on my sciatic nerve. Ooh. And so down my right leg in various spots, never the same spots every hour. It just moves. Was tingly and numb. And it happened day one.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> on the 19-hour so, day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I didn't tell anybody. It happened first thing in the morning. Oh, God. Like, the car was all unloaded, and we were getting ready to set up the first shot, and I just walked down a stair wrong. Oh. And I felt a twinge, and I didn't tell anybody until the end of the day, and uh, I made the crew massage me. And fan me with with giant palm leaves. But that's your process. Crepes.
1: That's your process. I even feel that like- is
2: my that <laughs> is my process.
1: I don't know. I've, I I don't even know if I can joke about that at this point. I feel like that's that's not far enough away from reality for someone.
2: <laughs> I call it the Brett Ratner method. Oh, God, I just kind yeah. of <laughs> dive in and-
1: Uh. So. Uh- How long was the the editing process? Because we talked, so it was 10 days of shooting, then how long was it for editing?
2: Um, Editing was kind of all over the place because uh, when I should have been editing, Suji and her, one of her partners, Alex, uh, who's a great actor and a very gifted storyteller, they came to me and said, hey, do you want to shoot this movie for us? And Alex wanted some very cinematic stuff that's hard to capture. and, And I'm like, three inches more cinematic than Kevin Smith. So if I can get away with on the shoulder or even on a tripod, I'm going to do it. It, it. I really need a reason to have a shot moving around to move it. So he, he had some very big ideas. So I declined to shoot their movie, but then they said, okay, uh, since Alex is also starring and directing, how about a uh, first AD so you can kind of run the set for us while we're on camera and and help with some post and stuff. And I said, yeah. So I actually probably pulled about two, three weeks out of my editing time to help those guys with that project. But so it, then mine became my post became when I had time to fit it in up until the last two weeks when people come to me and say, hey, do you want it? I'm like, no, no. Whatever your question is, No not I, doing it gotta gotta be over here for now
1: i do have to say like having known you for a long time though th- this all kind of makes me happy to hear that like you have kind of tapped into this community like i kind of love that, that that a little bit i'm yeah. getting to know people yeah no i think that's nice that there's kind of like everyone working on everyone else's movies and no that's that's how it should be like that's a very cool like collaborative kind of approach
2: there are two dudes like like there's like a normal kind of cast of characters in the local film community here. Just the events I've been to, I've seen the same faces over and over again for the most part. But everyone knows who's good. Everyone knows the good people. They're in demand. There's no shortage of work for them. But I've met a couple dudes who I'm like, okay, they're they're really, really good and only getting better every time they do work. And uh, I'm going to shill for them right now. Nick Hess does sound And uh, Dylan Stern Corny shoots, and I've worked with those guys on a couple things now, and they're both great. And you meet people like that, and and you're like, I want to find a project where I just work with them. You know, just just get them in on on something I do, even if it's small, just to see what the three of us would do in this kind of dynamic. So I've met a lot of people like that where, where you didn't know these people... We're flying under the radar. You hear all these other names dropped all the time, and then you meet these two, and it's like, why is no one using you two more? Because they're they're great. Uh well, did you
1: ever uh, have your? You kind of mentioned the screenings. Did you ever have your like, you know, since we talked about Lucas earlier, your George Lucas, like Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> like, was there that screening of like all where you kind of brought in?
2: No, and they did one for Dirt, the movie Dirt. And I went and I already knew one of the one of the local film people who was there. Um, and that was a good screening. They actually did it in someone's really elaborate home theater, which was awesome too. I have not done that yet, and I am I'm terrified of, <laughs> of of that prospect because I, I know people are gonna pick out every little thing wrong, but you know, they see it. Well yeah. So well, And, it also, and I that's mean, it, fine, I gotta be ready for that.
1: But also for people who don't know, I, I'm actually referencing like famously Brian De Palma like hated the first cut of Star Wars and like shit all over it, like when they all got together to watch it. Although that, from what I've heard, the the first cut of Star Wars was a bit rough, but uh yeah.
2: I can imagine. <laughs> um well, you know just to touch briefly on a topic related to that. Um that's the kind of criticism, you know, it takes a hell of a lot of balls to criticize source material that is responsible for your own de-aging gimmick in your six hour film. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, uh, well, uh, there's that.
1: <laughs> so let's let's talk about, uh, you know, what? So you we talked about the filming. we talked about the editing. Uh, you're, you're at this point where it's about ready to head out into the world. And I, I do want to talk about, you're actually doing a pretty cool event. And I want to talk about the logic behind this, like how you, <laughs> le- you know, how you decided uh, it's pretty smart actually, but uh, your kind of distribution plan.
2: Oh, well, well, history, history may have a different opinion on that. Joel. <laughs> we'll, we'll see in the future. Um, yeah, well, when you and I worked together, we worked for a brewery. Yes. And uh, for for a short time after that, I produced a couple episodes of a beer show that ran online. And so I got to meet a lot of brewery owners, go to a lot of breweries. And and the new model in the industry there for a while, it's not really new anymore, um, is to have a smaller brewery that with a tap room. And just kind of limited distribution, not go for a nationwide distribution situation, but constantly keep a taproom filled. So I kept seeing this more and more, and I knew, I had a feeling my my friend was about to hook me up with part of the budget. So I started asking them, I, I said I had this idea, I said, if I brought a movie... And therefore filled your tap room with people who wanted to see a movie and drink beer. Would you be okay with a I keep the ticket sales, you keep all the beer and food money? And every single one of them said, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that works. You're going to fill our tap room for a night. Okay, cool. Yeah. Golden. So uh, another gentleman you and I used to work with, Jim Wagner, is at a uh, another brewery now uh, called B.C. Brewery in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and their space is cavernous. And I I did a little uh, work for them. I made a few videos for them. And I said, hey, if I could fill this place, could we do this? Could I have the premiere here? And they were not only all about it. uh, I was secretly thinking in the back of my mind, we should brew a beer just for the movie. Yeah. And Jim brought it up first before (laughs) I even had to broach the subject. And so... uh, Barry, the villain in Loose Ends, is obsessed with his local diner's chocolate cream pie. And uh, that's explained in the movie as to why he's so fixated on it. So Jim created a chocolate cream pie stout, which if you buy a ticket to the movie and come to the premiere, you get a four-pack of Barry's indulgence chocolate cream pie stout. Yeah. So... That's kind of that was kind of the impetus to get people give them extra incentive to come to a premiere. So you get some beer. Uh, we're gonna do probably a very informal Q and A. I really wish I could afford to bring you out and oh, have you yeah. moderate it. I think that would be insane. <laughs> um, but as of now, we we might just be shouting at each other across
1: <laughs> across the brewery. I love it too. That's a ver- I feel like that's reverse product placement. Is that what that would be? If like a product from the movie is made for real life, like to
2: tie it. Well, actually, uh, there's a ton of product placement in the movie. And, and I've heard from a lot of, uh, independent filmmakers locally, like, how did you get product placement? <laughs> and it's like, well, some of it was actually written into the script yeah. because I knew I could get these people on board. And, uh, all I will say is without spoiling anything, one of the product placements is the equivalent of my Ocean's Eleven air freshener <laughs> yeah. hanging from the, the rearview mirror of the van. So, uh, yeah, but I just thought it'd be cool to have a commemorative beer. And, and we know Jim brews great beer. He also has a cameo in the movie.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask, I was pretty sure that he did. Yeah. Uh, uh, which Jim, it was, does he show up in the poker scene? Cause he, uh, Jim is a pretty notorious poker player. Well, in general. it's, it's,
2: <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I, I wrote it. I wrote it with, um, uh, Jim, Kurt and Milhouse in mind for the poker players. And I got all three of them. Yeah. So there, I wanted to get Bo too. But I I didn't get a hold of him in time and it would have been the wrong number of people around the table. So I didn't really push that too hard and I didn't want to drag Bo the whole way up there. Yeah. Uh, but those guys came and they were great. And uh, Jim actually... Has to do the pat down and everything. Jim Jim has some dialog, so it was uh, it was a good time. But yeah, those guys are that was the that was the notorious nineteen hour night.
1: Oh yeah, and Jim is a notorious uh, ruiner of takes in hilarious ways <laughs> too. So.
2: He was actually great, and Kurt had one line that he kept flubbing over and over again.
1: Oh no, uh, Milhouse
2: even killed his. Kurt kept flubbing him, and I'm like, dude, you were one of the. T- two or three best actors we had back then (laughs) and you're messing up fold oh no (laughs) how do you mess up fold
1: Oh, man! No, they all did great. That's awesome, though. Um, but yeah, so we sort of talked about it, but just, you know, promote man. like to say specifically if I don't know if tickets are still available, how can. Oh,
2: well, I've been a ticket whore the last <laughs> uh, three days. You know me. I'm never on social media. I avoid yeah. it like the plague. I've been posting on two different Facebook accounts and my Instagram <laughs> consistently for the last three days. And today I, I... when is this coming out, by the way? Uh, I mean, I can put it up early. I was planning on Wednesday, but if you need it earlier, let me know. If you can get it earlier, cool. But it's just today, but right before I jumped on here with you, I put up a post. I got a picture of my cats all standing around their empty dishes looking up at me. (laughs) (laughs) And the caption on the photo is, P's buy movie tickets so our daddy can put food in these bowls. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I set it out today. So, yeah, I'm a giant ticket whore right now. Uh, the The premiere is Sunday, February 23rd at BC Brewery in Hunt Valley, Maryland, from 1 to 4 p.m. I anticipate starting the actual movie sometime before 1.30. I know how people are late for this kind of crap, so give everybody a chance to get in. So sometime between, I'd say... 1 and 120 will probably get started depending on when everybody shows up
1: nice uh and did you say i'm sorry did you say how they could get tickets
2: or uh dot com. if you go under their shop there's a uh there's a, a direct link that says tickets because they sell for their own events too
1: uh, and if people aren't local, is there? How do they follow this? How do they? You know, what what can they do? Like, what what's after this screening if people want to pay attention?
2: Uh, after this screening is probably going to be I'm probably going to tinker with it. There's probably going to be at least one more draft. There's a special effect that I was just unhappy with. I tried it four different ways. Uh, that's probably going to change again. And there's a couple things I want to modify. But the plan would be to try to get some more brewery screenings because i think they're going to be fun i think it's the right kind of crowd the i guess after that would probably be festivals but i don't know how hard it's going to be to get this thing into festivals especially if we start getting reviews that are like who the hell does this guy think he is this is garbage
1: (laughs) so don't write my review
2: i can't believe they stopped that kitten in act three what's wrong with him
1: (laughs) No, I'm sure that, no. So, uh, but how do they follow you? How do people follow you or the movie? I know you have some social media stuff, but not a lot. Uh, cyna-
2: cynical pictures, <laughs> yeah, not a lot. Mostly mostly Instagram. Um, I'm not a big fan of Facebook, and it's funny. I get on there, and I don't know how to use it, and I don't know how to do anything. And my wife is just like, you just made a movie, and you can't <laughs> do this? What is wrong with you? So... Yeah, it's Cynical Pictures, uh, C-I-N-E, C-L-E Pictures. That's my handle on all those things, or just my name. You can come to my personal Facebook and tell me I'm awful, too, if you want. That's fine. Nice. I'm always down for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or come out in person and tell you you're awful, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Especially if you're buying the drinks. I yeah. mean, if you want to buy the drinks and tell me I'm terrible, I'm cool.
1: <laughs> uh, well, when do I get to see it? That's really the important question.
2: Um, I thought about rendering one off, but, and, and just sending you like a really low res version with a big watermark on it that said, Joel put this on the internet before it was done. (laughs) But, uh, um, there's still the matter of the sound mix. Yeah. And so I didn't want to send you an extensive spreadsheet of notes telling you when to turn your TV way up and way down (laughs) or whatever. So that still needs to happen. That was my mother saw it. My mother and my grandmother came and watched the movie. And uh, that was their big complaint. Like, sometimes oh. I had to actually say dialogue to them.
1: <laughs> my uh, my worst nightmare is my mom complaining about the sound on my movie. I can just... <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was her big one, man. She was like, no, you got to fix that sound, because I don't know what's going on. Oh, um, well,
1: so we didn't talk about the nightmares. What, so... <laughs>
2: oh, Jesus. So they don't really make any sense. I mean, I know what they're about. They're, they're never... Your dreams are never about what your dreams are. Yeah. They're always stand-ins for something else. And the first one is your typical, I'm feeling insecure about the premiere coming up, which is I was being blackmailed by someone who was about to spill a secret on me. Oh, God. And I was terrified. <laughs> and I really don't have any. Like, <laughs> you can dig all you want. I really don't care. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I, I will say the most messed up things you can imagine right to your face. Yeah. So if... <laughs> You think I'm going to be scared about secrets? Not so much. Um, so there was that one. And I don't remember the one Saturday night, but I know there was violence. Ooh. Or Friday night, I don't remember. But there was violence. And then last night, I had a dream that I was working at Lowe's. <laughs> like, because the movie tagged. And so I was working at Lowe's. <laughs> and Lowe's wasn't just a building. It was a complex. And someone asked me for something. I said, I don't know. It's my first day. Let me find out for you. So I walk over to the coffee bar in the Lowe's. Sure. And I, I found this dude there who looked like um, uh, the Billy, uh, Billy Crudup character in the morning show. Okay. And I asked him where I could find this thing. <laughs> and he said, well, you're going to have to ask Nicole. And Nicole's somewhere in the complex, maybe in one of the back buildings. Now... And I woke up terrified that I was stuck and couldn't find Nicole and couldn't help my customer, and so I was failing at Lowe's. Sure. But my first thought when I woke up, because it's been three days of nightmares in a row, my first thought was, dude, the gap has headsets. <laughs> you would think that Lowe's, if they were that big, everybody'd be wearing headsets and I could just be like, um, Nicole? Yeah. Uh, I need to know where the smoke shifters are. <laughs> okay. aisle 52 in building one. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Get it together. Lowe's. I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only dreamed that cause someone was telling me about Wegman's business model the other day. Oh. And so that all got into my head.
1: Well, I look forward to tonight when you're in school, giving some sort of report that you haven't
2: prepared <laughs> for. <laughs> and then the veloc- Velociraptors come. Yeah. That'll yeah. be, that'll be a good one.
1: But they have headsets.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the Velociraptors. <laughs> Did you see where he went? Clever girl. No, it's Nicole. Okay. <laughs> All <right>. Clever girl. <laughs> Alright.
1: Well, uh anything we didn't cover? Anything else you want to mention? uh, uh, uh
2: I was gonna take a, uh, a just a giant brutal dump on uh the rise of Skywalker, but I don't think I'm gonna do that. Yeah, now. we'll
1: save that for another time. That's
2: <laughs> okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie. Ugh.
1: Did you see the I don't think we talked about did you see the that it came out? I think it, or maybe I texted you, but the uh where they had the leak of the original script that was turned in like the Colin Trevorell script that actually sounded like it would have been really good and I don't understand yeah. why they didn't make it.
2: Yeah. Well, it, I couldn't put my finger on what exactly it was. Like I had specific like little nitpicks. But I'm like, this has a weird feel to me and I don't know what it is. And so I started reading other people's reviews and I wish I remember who wrote it because they they nailed it. They nailed what the problem was. The writer said, do you remember when you were a kid and played with your Star Wars action figures and made your own Star Wars movie where everybody's powers were just ridiculous and didn't make (laughs) any sense, but you felt good about it? That's how they made this movie, and I was like, "Oh, that's what I'm feeling." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a five year old in charge. Of, <laughs> like, no, but then he's not really dead because he called a timeout. and so then he climbs up and then <laughs> he kisses a girl and, then and he's dies.
2: Lightning the whole the whole fleet from the ground and just kill them. <laughs> yep. All right, he's not fully recharged yet, and couldn't do that when he was you know younger and healthier. But okay. <laughs> I still- lightning the starfleet. I
1: mostly am just curious about I, I'd like to see the budget and where that money came from to build the fleet
2: that's magically
1: there. But that's, you know,
2: someone went into that. They're like, wait a minute. Where did he get the money? How did he recruit people? Yeah, there's, there's, no there's a lot of logistics,
1: <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, all right. But all of that aside, um, no, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, no,
2: thanks for having me, dude. This was fun. I want to do more.
1: No, we should do more. I don't know why it took us so long to do this one, but for sure. Uh, we'll have you back on to just, like, shit on movies and stuff, you know? like Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, and remember, question everything.
0: I was born! I get gone, I get gone And I don't need any wrong to know better Put your faith to the town Or take the roof off the house We don't need gravity to get down Yeah
3: Hey Oh, hold up Oh, hold up Oh, hold up Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together. Thought I was sunshine but baby I'm bad weather. I'm off the Doppler in the five day forecast. By the time they hear me I've already pushed the shore back. No no, I wasn't always like this. Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit. Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency. I could take you February and turn it into spring. But something happened and it started to cloud. The scene began to wilt with sunshine year round. See nobody remember what it was like without me. And too much of a good thing turned into a thing. I hit the road took a few days off Which consequently turned longer Than I originally thought To this day So baby, call me what you want Good, bad, hot Or a cold front Hey,
0: Testify Testify Bring your word If it's worth It's fine Don't give me maybe And I don't need any wrong to know better Put your faith to the doubt Or take the roof off the house We don't need gravity to get down Hey, hey!
3: Hold up Hold up Hold up I heard you broke up with him again So you could dance in the rain you used to take for granted And still have summer at your whim To suit your mood ring when you felt like you couldn't manage But by the time you stepped outside and looked up The seasons changed along with the leaves in Celsius I was long gone and nowhere to be found You're thinking somebody turned your whole world upside down But gravity ain't to blame when we're standing on different planets I'm rolling with the thunder and the overcast Bright lights flash and freedom a crash If you see me around it's only to take the high score back Change is a hard trade in this arcade. And I'm back to coffee by the time the stars fade. Who's that hot chain working down at the spy house? Got eyes looking like a demon might like fly out. Oh, a flirt with fire, but never ever play. Spent too many yesterdays with that weight, hurry, wait. But be sure as day, it's a beautiful accord. Part of me as I enjoy the storm. Hey,
0: steak Stakes is, high. Stakes is high. do need gravity to get down
1: yeah. hey alright uh, so I don't have a huge plan you and I both like to talk so I figured like, I figured we'll be good but I figure no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's likely that we'll get to an hour and be like oh we should stop this now So probably yeah
3: Hobo Radio is a production of HoboTrashCan.com if you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one.
1: We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question: Are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor?
2: I'm Marty, and I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts, Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday.
1: Find us on iTunes or online at wehaftotask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloth Network at peaksloth.com.